Beloved, God's word is so precious. And we're in a passage in the Old Testament that is one of my favorite stories. I do tend to say that about anything I'm teaching, but this time I really mean it. And so we're going to be looking at Genesis 24. Now, Sarah has died about three years prior at the age of 127. 127. She gave birth at 90. And that means at about 112, she was parenting a teenager. Just let that thought sit with you for just a moment. So after miraculously giving birth to this young man, Isaac, at the age of 90, God gave her time to watch him grow up. And now, where we pick up today in our account that we're looking at, we're going to be uh, looking for Abra- at Abraham as he is looking for a bride for Isaac. So if you will look with me now in Genesis chapter 24, just the first four verses. Now, Abraham was old. Let's just pause right there. Um, I counted up 10 times that the author, uh, obviously the Holy Spirit, through the pen of Moses, 10 times he refers either to Isaac, or excuse me, to Abraham or to Sarah that they were old. 10 times, just as he's talking about Isaac. 10 times he says, they are old. They are old. They are old. Now, I believe it was probably to make the point, uh, the birth was so miraculous. I believe that's the point. But I don't like to be called old. Uh, I have not told you this story before, but Craig and I were privileged to go to Israel several years ago. And we had six hours before we were to catch a flight and fly home, having been in Israel for 10 or 11 days. I'm telling you, unbelievable experience. Praise God we were allowed to have it. Because we had a few hours free, um, the the, uh, travel agency said, we will let you go out and explore just a little bit. Well, Mr. Stockdale and I wanted to go over to Jerusalem, to the old city. And that's how we were going to spend our time until it was time to come to the hotel, grab our bags, and head to the airport. And y'all, we were out walking, I'm telling you, in places where they know Jesus had walked, just such a holy, holy, holy moment. And we were just absolutely captured trying to press all these memories into our heart and mind. And I took a hard fall and I broke my nose. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. On a whole another continent among people who did not speak my language and, um, it was, it was so misshapen and swollen. I'm telling you, by the time I got up, it was swelling so much. There were four friends, or actually five, including Mr. Stockdale, with me. And as I was sitting there, they were all looking at me like this. <laughs> and no one was saying a thing. And I said, what, what happened? And one of them said, have you ever broken your nose before? And I said, no, I haven't. She said, well, you have now. <laughs> Ooh, ugh. 
And so they packed me in ice and headed me off to uh, what was sort of like an emergency clinic, a little bit more than that. And uh, so they sent over a, a translator to be with us. There was a nurse that travel, was traveling with us that went with Mr. Stockdale and I. And then there was this doctor, and we were all in a little bitty room, and I couldn't understand everything the doctor was saying until he said this, because of her advanced age, I cannot treat her. <laughs> Couldn't understand anything else. That I got. So Abraham and Sarah, they're old. They're old. Sarah has passed away. Abraham, he is old. He is old. He's advanced in age. Yes. And the Lord has blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned, Please place your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live. But you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. Now, we uh, looked at this last week, or excuse me, the week before in lesson five, about how there are pictures and types of the Lord Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, this book is about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. I know you understand and believe that. But in the Old Testament, we see him in type or picture, not unlike the New Testament, where he has come in his incarnation, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's all relayed to us in the Gospels. And uh, yet, in the Old Testament, he is very active and very much a part of the Old Testament, but he is revealed to us typically in type or picture. Now you have to be careful when you look for types and pictures in the Old Testament because often the person representing uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, Moses for example is a picture of Christ, Joshua a picture of Christ, Abraham a picture of God the Father, Isaac a picture of Christ. All of these people you understand, have a sin nature, unlike the Lord Jesus Christ who was without sin. And so when you look for these types and pictures in the Old Testament, you have to be careful not to push them too far because they will break down at some point. But in this story, oh my soul, such clear, clear pictures of the Trinity. Abraham is a figure, a type, a prophecy, an illustration of God the Father. Isaac is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rebecca, the bride of Christ, who we'll be introduced to here in a minute, is a lovely portrait of the New Testament church, the bride of Christ, referred to um, in Ephesians, in 2 Corinthians, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And then there is the servant. Now, every commentator that I study believes that this servant was Eleazar. And we were introduced to him back in Genesis chapter 15. And uh, Eleazar was the head of his household and a very beloved and treasured a servant. You know that uh, before he had Isaac, he thought perhaps um, Eleazar 
was much beloved by Abraham, and before he had Isaac, he assumed Eleazar would be the one through which the promise would come. So as we look at this story, you're going to notice that the servant, again, who we believe is Eleazar, is never mentioned by name. Now, we believe he is a picture of the blessed Holy Spirit. And it is possible that he is never has his name revealed because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus Christ. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit will speak of him. And so we believe that's further evidence that this glorious picture is revealed for us here in Genesis 24. So Abraham now has a son who's 40 years old. Now Abraham knows that his son must take a wife and they must have children because of the covenant promise of God. And why he waits until Isaac is 40 years old is a mystery to me. I, I looked through commentaries, commentaries rather, trying to find out why did he wait so long? Because typically in that culture, uh, people married very, very young. So for him to be 40 and unmarried is a little bit unusual. Plus, Abraham knew that Isaac had to have a bride. And because the promise was going to come, the fulfillment of the uh, uh, promise and the covenant was going to come through Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, it was very, very important who that bride was. And so it's interesting to me that Abraham had not already secured a bride. So I looked in all of my um, research material and the program I have on my computer. I just could not find a suitable answer. Now, I don't want to encourage you to do this. I'm just going to tell you what I did. I Googled it. You must be very, very careful with Google because it, it'll tell you anything. It'll just throw stuff out there. And so you've got to be very discerning. But I will say there are some outstanding free resources on Google when you're looking for information. And so I typed in what are the marriage customs in the, and I abbreviated Old Testament in the OT. And I didn't find out about that, but what I did find out is that people who are occupational therapists, <laughs> they typically marry at 32. So that was helpful. So I don't know why he did, because it was most unusual that he would wait this long to broker a bride. So he asked his servant to go back to his ancestral land and to get a bride for his son, Isaac. And as I told you, the servant's name is Eleazar. Now, Eleazar means helper of God. Again, a picture, a type of the beloved Holy Spirit. Okay, the first thing I want to talk to you about is what I call the commission. And that is what I just read to you in, in uh, Genesis 24, verses 1 through 4, really all the way through 9, but we're not going to take the time to read it, was Abraham commissioning his servant to go to find a bride for Isaac. The second thing I want to talk to you about is what I call the campaign, because this is the process whereby Eleazar went to find a bride for Isaac. Look in verse 10 of chapter 24. Then the servant took 10 camels 
from the camels of his master. And I did read that just one camel was evidence of great wealth. So 10 camels indicates for us that Abraham had been prospered by the Lord and was very, very wealthy. It says he set out with a variety of good things of his master's in his hand, and he arose and he went to Mesopotamia in the city of Nahor. Now, Mesopotamia was 500 miles away. Beloved, this was a rough trip on a camel, for heaven's sakes. Camels are smelly. They're not particularly well-behaved. I don't think you can train them or teach them to do a thing. They're known for spitting and biting. Not only that, can you imagine the lopsided gait of a camel for 500 miles? Girls, I could barely go in a car 500 miles without turning on Mr. Stockdale. I am not, I'm not kidding. So when I think about him on a camel, for heaven's sakes, but he is loaded down with all of these great treasures. It says in verse 11, he made the camel, oh, that he came to the city of Nahor. Uh, verse 11, he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at even time, the time when women go out to draw water. Now, it's very interesting, but in that culture, women did most of the heavy lifting. And uh, there's cultures, Craig and I have been to many of them as we have done international ministry. And this is true there as well. And so she is at the end of a long work day. Uh, Rebecca is going to come onto the scene. Verse 12, and he says, Eliezer says, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, may it be that the girl to whom I say, please let me, uh, please let down your jar so that I may drink and who answers, drink, and I will water your camels also. May she be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown loving kindness to my master. Verse 15. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, came out with a jar on her shoulder. And the girl was very beautiful, a virgin, and no man had had relations with her. And she went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me have a drink from your jar. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly lowered her jar to her hand and gave him a drink. Now, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran back to the well to draw, and she drew water for all the camels. You remember how many camels? Ten of them. Ten. Warren Wiersbe says a camel that has been on a long, dusty trek, and they can go a long time without water, would drink about 40 gallons of water once it's offered to him. Ten camels, 40 gallons of water at the end of a work day. 
and terrible heat, heavy water, pulling up that uh, a rope, uh, gathering up that water, putting it in the pitcher, going down to the trough. I'm telling you, this was an incredible thing. And so as um, um, Eleazar is watching this, he is convinced that this indeed is God's choice for Isaac for a bride. In God's providence, he brought Rebecca just at the time that Eleazar was praying. And did you notice there in verse 19, she said, I will draw also. That is, she was willing to go above and beyond anything that she was asked to do. What a glorious picture of a woman of virtue and value and worth, beloved, that she was not only hospitable towards Eleazar, but she went a step further. I will also, I will water all of the camels. And so he gives her some of the jewels that he has brought. He puts on her wrist in verse uh, 22, a gold ring weighing a half, she- a half shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing 10 shekels in gold. And then he asked who her family is and he asked if they could possibly put them up. Now, later in the text, it tells us there were some men traveling with him as well. And so it was Eleazar, some other men's servants and these 10 camels. And she said, absolutely, we have a place for all of you and we have uh, food and water for your camels. We'll be glad to take you in. And this causes Eleazar to worship and praise the Lord. Look in verse 27. He said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not for, uh, forsaken his loving kindness and his truth towards my master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way of my master's brothers. And so the girl ran and she told her mother's household about these things. So this is what I call the commission Abraham sending out his servant to bring back Isaac a bride. The campaign, this is the story of what uh, transpired. And then this is what I call the con artist. Look in verse 29. Now, Rebekah has a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. And when he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, this is what the man said to me, he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. And he said, this is Laban, come in, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside since I have prepared the house and a place for the camels? I don't think so. I believe his sister had prepared the house and a place for the camels. But, verse 32, so the man entered the house. Then Laban unloaded the camels. This is why I believe that uh, we're already seeing something of the uh, character of Laban that he is a con artist. He unloaded the camels, gave straw and food to the uh, camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Now, here's what I think happened. Laban, who we would not know this except we've read ahead, and we know that in several chapters, Laban deals corruptly uh, with Jacob over his two daughters, Rebekah and Leah. 
But I believe that when he saw those jewels on his sister, I'm telling you, I'm surprised he didn't pack her right up on that camel and send them right on their way. Because I believe in his heart that he was a con artist. So he saw the riches that were on his sister's wrist. He went out and and welcomed the man into his house as if he had done all of the work and I don't believe that he had. And then I don't think I'm reading too much into this. But in verse 32, when it says he unloaded the camels, I think it was so he could get inventory of what was on the back of the camels. And so I think we see here the character of Laban that he is a con artist. So the next thing I want you to see is what I called the culmination. The culmination, look now down in verse um, 33. Food was set before him to eat. I will not eat until I have told my business. And he said, go ahead and speak. Verse 35, the Lord has greatly blessed my master. So he has become very rich and he's given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. We see Eleazar telling about Abraham, not speaking of himself, but speaking of his master as the Holy Spirit does the Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 36, he tells about the miraculous birth of Isaac. Now Sarah, my master's wife, bore son to my master, again, in her old age, old age, and he has given him all that he has. Eleazar continues to speak of the riches of his master and the resources of the son. And so this is what I call the culmination. He goes ahead and recounts what has just happened. And then he tells them that he is on a journey to find a suitable wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. And it says in verse um, 53, that he offers the family a dowry for her. The servant brought out articles of silver and articles of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. This is her dowry. And so they begin to discuss whether Rebekah will go with uh, Eleazar back to marry Isaac. And so in verse 57 it says, let's call the girl and Consult her wishes. Now they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Look in verse 61. So she arose with her maids. They mounted the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and they departed. Beloved, again, We see here such a lovely, lovely picture of the methodology of the Spirit of God. First of all, he tells about his master. Then he tells about the miraculous birth of his son. He tells about the riches. He tells about the resources. He talks about the the extraordinary nature of these two men. And they say, if she wants to go with you, then she may go. And beloved, this is what the Spirit of God does when he brings conviction to a lost sinner who is searching and seeking after the Lord. He tells us about Jesus, tells us about Jesus, who he is and what he's done for us and invites us, woos us, brings us along, convicts us, confirms to us that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. We see in uh, Eleazar no coercion, no bullying, no bribing, 
just laying out the facts and giving a gentle invitation, whosoever will may come. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? Such a beautiful Old Testament picture of God the Father seeking a bride for his son through his spirit. And beloved, this is what the Father's doing even now, sending forth the Spirit of God, drawing people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the culmination. Now let's talk for just a moment about the consummation. And look with me now in verse 62. So Isaac had come forth from going to, Be to Beer Leha Roi, that's the same well where God ministered to Hagar. And it says he was living in the Negev and he went out to meditate in the field towards evening. And he lifted up his eyes and looked. I think he had done that every night since Eleazar had left. And behold, the camels were coming and uh, Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. She said to the servant, who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, well, that's my master. And she took her veil and she covered herself and the servant told Isaac all the things he had done and then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and she took Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her he loved her beloved this love story is what has happened to every one of us who are in Christ the father sent the servant to call out one like you and one like me, to invite us to come to know Jesus Christ, to live in the fullness of the Son, to be under the blessing of the Father, and to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Oh, one more thing, and then we'll close out the, what I call the conclusion. Look in chapter 25 now in verse 1. Now, Abraham took another wife. Can you even believe that? Can you even believe that? Another wife. And her name was Keturah. And it goes on to say that she bore him six sons, seven grandsons, and three great-grandsons. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. Wouldn't you have thought he'd be so tired after raising Isaac? But here he is, having more children. But the scripture goes on to say that... Um, the, uh, these are all the years, verse 7, of Abraham's life that he lived, 175 years. He breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man satisfied with life, and he was gathered to his people. We've watched Abraham and his up and down. We've watched Abraham make some missteps. We've watched Abraham uh, give in to fear. It appears that fear was a besetting sin in his life because he kept throwing Sarah under the bus and she kept going. We... <sighs> I think we need to just do a whole study on Sarah because she's really some lady, I'm telling you. But now we see that Abraham, he has finally, in his uh, faith walk, instead of so many ups and downs, he begins to have a trajectory that is headed up uh, as he comes into the end of his life. He has run well and he has finished strong. Here's the good news. God sent his son who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God sent his spirit to woo us, to reveal to us we're a sinner in need of a savior. God sent his word 
that we might learn of him, know of him, become Bible students so that we can be self-feeders, so we can study the word of God, so we can grow in grace and knowledge because God has set us in a place. Every one of us has been put in a place that we might, beloved, fulfill his plan and his purpose. Mr. Stockdale and I will soon have been married for 48 years, 48 years. We married at 19. I know, I know. I don't think it was wise either. I'm just telling you that's what we did. <laughs> we did not know the Lord. That's my disclaimer. And uh, uh, God has blessed uh, our lives together uh, uh, unbelievably. But we were married for five years before we came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. But early on here, as we have announced to our family that we're getting married and Frankly, because Craig and I were so in so much trouble, I know you find that hard to believe, both of our parents could not wait to get rid of us. It's sad but true. <laughs> sad but true. And so his, uh, he had relatives that lived over in West Memphis, Craig did. And so they wanted to have an engagement party for us so they could invite all the family so I could meet them. Now, did I mention I was 19 years old? And so the whole idea of having all of those people together to meet them uh, was not, it, it wasn't sitting well with me at all. I was a nervous wreck. And so we were going to go into their home and his aunt was going to have this big dinner party for us and I remember that I went and bought a new dress and I've, I, I, can, I can remember that dress like I bought it yesterday. It was a blue and white gingham and it had fold back sleeves, fold back cuffs and a little self belt that was backed with uh, polka dots, little baby white polka dots on blue. That's what it looked like. It was a shirt dress that buttoned all the way down. And uh, I went and got that dress and Craig picked me up and I just was telling him, I am so nervous about this. He said, what's there to be nervous about? And I said, I don't think your people are going to like me. He said, what's there not to like? I said, well, I think we're fixing to find that out. And uh, uh, he said, honey, they're going to love you. And even if they don't, I do. And he said, that's enough, right? And well, you think. And uh, so... We're driving over to West Memphis. And I, I, I mean, I'm just such a nervous wreck, scared to death to go in there and meet all those people. We're walking up to the door. I can still remember it. I'm holding on to his arm, and I, I'm just saying, this is going to be awful. This is just going to be awful. They're not going to like me. And he's saying, they are going to like you. And I said, no, I don't think they are. I don't think I can do this. About that time, the door opened, and there's all the family gathered together. And y'all, when they saw me, they did not say a word. <laughs> they went... And I looked at him and said, I told you so. And it took a minute for them to recover, and then they invited us in, and they took us to this elaborate table that had been just beautifully adorned for this moment when I saw what the problem was. Craig's aunt had made a tablecloth for this event. And I'm going to tell you, the fabric did not look like my dress. The fabric was. <laughs> it was my dress. Blue and white checks. The exact fabric I'm talking about. And so they could... <laughs> They're all laughing about, I was not laughing. And so I was seated and I looked in my lap to pick up my napkin and I couldn't tell where I started and where I stopped. 
Oh, my goodness. It was one of the singularly most uncomfortable evenings I have spent with his family. But anyways, if I can remember it so clearly after 48 years, you know this had a real impact on me. But here's the point I want to make. Some of you are thinking, go ahead, let's hear this one. God did not design us to blend in. He created us as image bearers to stand out for his glory and for his kingdom. He created us that we would be a blessing to others that we would operate in our sphere of influence in such a way that others would see Jesus in us. That, beloved, that, beloved, is the message of Abraham's life. A pilgrim looking for a city whose architect and builder is the Lord. Thank you for walking with me as we are walking home. This is not our home. We are passing through, just passing through. Oh, that we would live in the fullness of all that he has given us to do. And as my grandson Walker says, he is good. Let's pray. Precious Lord Jesus, how grateful we are to gather together to study your word. Thank you for the life of Abraham and Sarah. Faithful, faithful people. Thank you for the message today that reveals the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Bride of Christ. Oh, Father, would you stir our hearts that when we go throughout this week with intentionality, we will look for ways that we can be a blessing to others. We have been blessed with so much that we might be a blessing to others. Lord, we bless you, we praise you, we worship and adore you. In Jesus' name, amen.